This is a Triple J podcast. We are back. It is time for the Shake Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese, finishing off a very heavy news week with a bit of lighter stuff. I think we could all use some lighter news in our life right now. We're diving into some of the topics maybe you missed over the past few days. Some interesting ones that have got people talking. Here's a bit of a preview of what's coming up. Hack. What started with a ribbon and a smile ended in a breakdown. Brittany said, you remember how you dragged me? She said, just wait until my memoir. (laughs) Nobody rips on a kid who's like, I want to be a doctor like my dad and granddad. First of all, yes, we do. On Triple Jack. Yeah, I want to know about your biggest... Lemon. (laughs) Abby Butler was asking before, what's a lemon? A lemon is a dud purchase. The thing that you bought had you fuming. Was it a car, an appliance, something you thought was a steal at the time ended up ruining your life? Also, all of these celebrity memoirs, docos flying around at the moment, they're getting headlines. Do you love a tell-all? Because they're very popular. We know people are eating them up. Or are you over stars saturating the news with big revelations of their lives? You think we know everything already? We're going to get into all those topics more. Let's start off by introducing the brilliant shake-up crew, though, for the week. First, sports journalist, presenter at Channel 9. Also got the When We Grow Up podcast. G'day, Marley Silva. G'day, Dave. How are you? I'm okay. It has been a bit of a big and heavy news week, though. Do you feel that? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm so excited that we're here talking about things that maybe don't feel that serious, but I think it's pretty easy for us to feel shame if we are looking away from the hard stuff in the news. So it is nice to have this break and also give yourself a break. Oh, Um, That's what I'm looking forward to. That's so true. I mean, sometimes you do feel a bit guilty. Like there's hectic stuff going on in the world. We've been covering it all through the week uh, on Hack. But yeah, look, we're launching into the weekend with a bit of lighter stuff. We're trying to lift people a bit. Luckily, we've got a funny guy with us to help with the process. Comedian Billy Darcy, how are you going to make us laugh? Oh, Dave, mate, appreciate you having me. I appreciate the topics for today's episode. Last time I was here, we were discussing the economic implications of Alan Joyce's resignation. And I was thinking you guys totally meant to book someone else, but yeah. no one had no one had the stones to tell me once I arrived. So I think this is way more up my alley. It was like that time, have you seen the clip of the guy that went onto the BBC and he accidentally went on as some I don't know, IT expert, but was actually just there for a job interview and all of a sudden he was on live television and had to pretend like he knew what he was talking about. (laughs) Hey, I listened to that shake-up. It was with Tim Shepard. You did a really good job. Well, I must have done because I'm back. (laughs) So what's doing? What do you reckon, Marley? You reckon we're going to have a good shake-up? Yes, I am a little bit insulted that you said that um, <laughs> Billy was the funny guy and that I am. Does that mean I'm not funny? Um, no, you he's are He's bringing funny. the laughs? No. All right. Yeah. No. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got the serious, we got the funny. No, anyone who knows Marley knows she's a crack up. Anyway, look, we could get into the debate. We could, we could really fire up about this, but we've got too much to talk about. Hack. Dealers aren't helping people when something breaks. On Triple Jack. Oh, that's a bit hectic. <laughs> that music, isn't it? Have you ever been sold a lemon? Not an actual lemon. I'm not talking about citrus. I'm talking about a dud, a car, appliance, anything that you thought was a great deal at the time until the drive home when the engine light comes on. 
because there was some research out this week that shows a lot of Australians are getting ripped off. So what is your biggest lemon story? Hack, have you ever bought a lemon? They shouldn't be doing this to people. A new report has found out of 1,000 people who bought new or used cars in the past five years, more than half experienced a fault. Most of the time it was sitting in my driveway. There are too many faulty cars. We don't want rogue traders in the industry either. Unfortunately, the high demand and high prices for used cars has brought out a number of unscrupulous operators trying to sell dodgy cars. On Triple J. Yes. We asked the hack audience on Instagram this week and the stories were brutal. Declan said on Instagram, car broke down before I even got it home. Dealer said... Good luck. See ya. (laughs) Someone else. Engine light turned on as soon as I drove away. Has been a problem on and off for four years now. And another person says, I bought a lemon for $3,000. Spent about $6,000 trying to fix it. I simply cried. Oh, we hear you. And it turns out a lot of people have gone through this. There was some, you know, research out that shows 17% of Victorians have bought a vehicle with a major fault. What do you reckon? Tell us your lemon stories. It doesn't have to be a car, though. It could be anything. Also, the opposite of a lemon. If you've bought something, convinced you're only going to use it for five minutes, years later, it just keeps going. What is it? Call in 1300 555 You can message in to 0439 757 Got to ask the Shake Up crew. We've got presenter, podcaster, Marley Silver and comedian, Billy Darcy. Marley, have you been sold a lemon? I am going to knock on wood here as I say, thank goodness I have not been sold a lemon. But this story has absolutely sent shivers up my spine because this is one of my greatest fears. In the last 18 months, I've gone to a car dealership about three or four times, the most I've ever done in my adult life, because I really want a new car. And it's because I have a soccer mum car at the moment. All I want is a little bit of an upgrade so I have a reverse camera. That's all I want in my life. (laughs) I have gone to that many dealerships. I've test driven cars, everything, and felt so like, okay, this is it, I'm going to do it, but I do not trust the people selling them to me. And now this is proven to me, I will drive the car that I have until it absolutely dies on me because at least it's not a lemon. It's something that I've committed to for a long time. Oh my gosh. So you're so freaked out that you're not even going to try again. You're just going to live with the soccer mum car. Yeah, yeah soccer mum car. Like it's something <laughs> that I think I can grow into as okay. well. But <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> my bar of expectation of, you know, being able to trust the people, I don't know why. Maybe it is like staring stereotypes and stuff. But this is absolutely cementing, you know, why we feel this uh, nervousness or maybe distrust the second that we go into places like this. And it's terrible to, it genuinely, like I could laugh about this, but it's so terrible to think, especially a lot of the young people who are buying their first car, making their first big purchase like this, who get ripped off in this way. Oh, it's so true. It can ruin you for so long and just make you anxious. Some of the people that were talking in this ABC story were like, every time I got into the car, I'd get so anxious not knowing if it'd drive to break down. Billy, what about you? Have you had a lemon? I actually had the opposite of a lemon. I bought a car off my neighbour when he died. I bought it off his wife for $1,000 and it went for eight years. Oh! So there were a few hairy moments. I broke down in the middle of the Harbour Bridge one day. But apart from that... Okay, sounds like a lemon at this point. (laughs) Across eight years, mate, you have to step back from the data, Dave, and look at the 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 sample size. And so for anyone struggling to find a fantastic deal out there, I would highly recommend targeting recent widows. Oh. Because <laughs> they've got no sense, you know. They've got to get rid of this thing. 
Hey, it's a good strategy, I guess. There's probably people with experience in that area. If you can back up what Billy's saying, hit the text line 0439757555. I was going to ask what the opposite of a lemon is in terms of those things that you've had forever, even though you expected it wouldn't last five minutes. We've got people messaging in as well. On the text line, someone says, I got a three-month warranty, then three months and one week in, it turned into a lemon, so I sold it to someone else. Oh, that's bad karma. That's not good. Yeah. What do you think of that, Marley? Just off-selling the problem. Yeah. Look, I can see why it's tempting, but I don't know. I couldn't live with myself if I did that because I would just fear that it was going to come back and bite me. As Billy said, bad karma. Okay. We've got someone else on the text line. I bought a PlayStation off a 10-year-old on Facebook Marketplace, <laughs> got it home, and there was a disc stuck in it and the controllers didn't work. Returning it to a 10-year-old was the most awkward experience. <laughs> that was from Steph in Arm. Yeah, that would be pretty tricky, trying to do the negotiations with a little kid. Hmm, it doesn't really do much for the reputation of used car salespeople, does it, Billy? Well, they are notoriously shoddy. I think you need to go... Not all of them, probably. Well, it's your segment, mate. It's not mine. Here we are. <laughs> so what are we talking about, Dave? I think you have to go old school, carsales.com, rock up with your dad in a singlet ready to go. You must take your dad. The dad is something we keep hearing. It's like, no, no, I feel safe. I've got dad with me, ready to check things out. Honestly, dads can smell a leaking radiator from like 200 <laughs> metres away. Sometimes my dad will just stop in the middle of the street and go... Honda Civic, <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> they know, they know. We've got, got to take your dad. We've got someone on the phone line now, Ash from Melbourne. Ash, you bought a house that was a lemon. What? Hey, Dave, how you going, mate? Yeah, what, uh, what, was, what happened? No, it wasn't me, but it was someone I know, and I did a plumbing report for them. They spent $1.6 and just everything's wrong, mate. It's <sighs> just completely bonkers. And <sighs> the Victorian Building Association is doing nothing. That's so bad. So what's your mate going to do? Um, well, they're trying to chase up um, plumbers' insurances and the plumber doesn't want to return and do any rectifications and it's just, I don't know what they're going to do. It's just, it's, just, it's a minefield for them. Oh, it's so disappointing. Hey, Ash, thanks for calling up with that experience. Someone else says, got sold a ute, said it was in mint condition, got it back to Bathurst and needed new injectors, which cost four and a half thousand dollars and when I called them about it they denied it ah oh, it doesn't just have to be cars though it could be a washing machine I was telling the drive team earlier I bought a washing machine for a few hundred dollars thought it was great seemed to work it turned on went through all the cycle clothes would come out dirtier than when they went in so that was a bit of a disaster on my part but someone else has come in with a bit of the op Kate in the Hunter Valley says I bought a secondhand top loader washing machine it kept overflowing with water was a flat broke uni student determined to do it on a budget, fix it. So I used Google, a butter knife, I pulled it apart, found that the tube to the water level sensor had been cut in half, taped it up, bam, reverse lemon, had that washing machine for many years. Kate, you are an inspiration. Kate is not a lemon. Oh, what a woman. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, we've got so many people calling up as well, including a car salesperson. Bailey, what have you got to say to this conversation? I was going to stick up for me trade a bit. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> there are there are dodgy people, there are dodgy one of us out there. But if you buy a used car, there's a form five on every single used car. On the third form, it says, "Does this car come with a dealer guarantee? If that box is ticked, by all means, buy it." 
If that box is not ticked, do not buy it. Oh, you are going up shit creek. This is great intel from Bailey, the car salesperson. Everyone's taking notes now. Hey, Bailey, thank you for that. You're going to save a lot of people a lot of grief. Someone else on the text line says, I've also got a reverse lemon story. I wanted a fish tank to get some tropical fish. When I went to pick up this secondhand fish tank, there was still a goldfish in it in pretty bad shape. And so I said, yeah, I'll take the goldfish, thinking it would keel over pretty soon. The goldfish lived for eight years. I still don't have the tropicals because I had the goldfish. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, Billy? It's pretty cool, but you can't drive a goldfish to work, can you, mate? So, I mean, enjoy it, but it's not really... It's a bit by the by for mine. Yeah, okay, you're not really convinced. Amalia, are you a person that saves up to buy really good quality stuff or you're all about cheap is best, whatever I can afford at the moment, that's what I'm going to get? Well, I was raised by two parents who are the bargain means that it's a good idea. Um, They love getting things on discount, my mum and dad, and they would buy three really cheap things that would break and need to be replaced instead of the one more expensive thing but higher quality that would have lasted a longer time. And because of that, I'm definitely in in that latter camp. I uh, so many times, I remember like, (laughs) <laughs> when I was a teenager, I just wanted a straightener, right? Like it's a big deal when girls start looking after their hair, I guess, like to stereo- gender stereotype there for sure. And I just wanted a really good quality straightener and I asked for it for Christmas a couple of years in a row and was given, you know, just I knew they were on the cheaper end of the market, which, yeah. you know, thank you, mum and dad. But every year they broke and the price of them added up to what the most expensive one was. And so when I like first had my first job and stuff, I saved up and I paid for the ex- expensive straightener and I still got it. Oh, I see there you go and I bet you feel really good about it too you're like well I always knew I always knew (laughs) Billy what about you do you save up for really good stuff or are you just whatever I can afford right now definitely whatever I can afford right now (laughs) me and my brother when we were growing up we were massive on council cleanup oh the first three TVs we had in our bedroom were council cleanup really and this is back when if the cord wasn't cut let's play Sometimes you see some good stuff. Unbelievable, dude. We got, I mean, shout out ABC in the afternoons. I'm watching Blue Water High on a free telly. So you tell me, mate. It's not bad. It's not bad. People who love a council cleanup, you gotta, you gotta look around. You gotta know what's a dud. You gotta have your dad senses about you in that, in that regard. But you can pick up some good bargains. Someone on the text line. I bought a compact mirror with a pop-out hairbrush. Cheap but amazing. Became a weekend staple in the handbag for a lot of nights out. That was from L. We love that bargain. Still serving you well. Someone else says I bought an eleven thousand dollar lemon, a car from Facebook Marketplace. Took to the mechanic who checked it. It was a bomb. Paid $7,000 to get it fixed, sold it immediately and was honest about the issues and passed on receipts and warranty. The guy buying it didn't care it was a lemon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of interesting that he wasn't phased by that. But hey, look, so much, so many texts coming through on that one, but we've got to move on. Hack. Here are some celebrities who wrote in their memoirs some interesting experiences. On Triple Jack. How many celebrity memoirs are coming out at the moment? Like whether it's books, docos, everyone, David Beckham, Britney Spears, Jada Pinkett Smith, Julia Fox, Serena Williams, I uh, I noticed overnight's announced that she's writing one. Do you get around a celebrity tell-all? 
Do you actually trust the big stars to tell the truth about their lives? Hack. E! News can confirm the shocking details are included in the singer's forthcoming memoir. Will Smith speaks out about his tumultuous relationship with his estranged wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, in support of the release of her memoir, Worthy. Julia Fox, a star once known for dating Kanye West, is leaving nothing out in her new book, Down the Drain. Getting a ton of buzz, Netflix's four-part series, Beckham. A monumental new book, Behind the Seams, My Life in Rhinestones. Please welcome back the fabulous Dolly Parker. On Triple J. Yeah, from Prince Harry to Paris Hilton, are you obsessed with celebs telling their stories? Or are you a bit sus on it? How much is actually the truth? Whether they actually write the books? Call in 1300 You can message in too. 0439 What is the best memoir that, you know, you've read, you've consumed? Is there someone you would love to write a tell-all? A famous person that you're like, they've never said anything and I'd love to hear from them. Let me know. I want to get into this topic with the Shake Up crew. We've got presenter, podcaster, Marley Silver, comedian, Billy Darcy. Billy, do you get around a memoir? I love a memoir. I love a biography. I've read so many sports biographies. I read Matthew Perry's biography last year. <laughs> oh, how was I, that? It was, it, it was a great book. And at the end, I thought, wow, I hope I never, ever meet him. <laughs> he's, he's clearly a horrible person. Oh. But I love biographies because I do most of my book shopping at airports. Okay. <laughs> so I'm an absolute target for this stuff and I love it. I always like to look for what they do and see if like, oh, my cussie likes apples. I like apples. Oh, right. So you're always trying to relate <laughs> yeah. it back to you. I'm Interesting. Like, I'm like, am I still going to make it? So like, is there particular types that you are more likely to buy? Sports stars, for instance, or it doesn't matter. Anyone who's got kind of an interesting story. No, definitely sports stars or entertainers who I'm interested in. Okay. The Matthew Perry one, I will say, there was a <laughs> there was a billboard, I think it was $25. Yeah. But traditionally, cricketers, comedians, actors. Okay. Like, yeah. Interesting. Marley, what about you? Are you into memoirs? Oh, big time, Dave. I was so excited when you told me that we're going to be talking about this today. I have become obsessed with celebrity memoirs and it's partly because I think kind of related to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, a little bit of distraction. When you can read the like tidbits about sometimes lesser known celebrities or big names and you can see through it. Some of it is, you know, with a little bit of GST sprinkled on stories and, <laughs> and you know it's a cash grab and you know it's to get their names back in the headlines, exactly like what we've seen with Jada Pinkett Smith this week, I think. Mm-hmm. But... I love it because you can kind of buy... I like to listen to them in audio form. Um, I really, really enjoyed Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mum Died. She's someone who is an actor who I watched as a kid on iCarly and I've never thought about again, but her story was so interesting. And I think ones like that can actually be really good. I was going to ask, do they have to be famous for you to get into them or anyone who's got a good story, you're hooked? Oh, it's just got to be a good story. But even... Even in saying that, I sometimes like a really terrible story, like a really like this means nothing and is just all sugary and um, a bit ridiculous. Like there's actually a podcast that I listen to that has informed me on these kinds of books called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. It's by two comedians based in the US and they just rip to shreds, you know, the memoirs of 
uh, women from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and, and reality shows like that. And they're hilarious because they take these things that are, you know, such small inconveniences in their very, very wealthy and out of touch lives and make it seem like the end of the world. And that for me, I think makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Interesting. I think that's part of the reason this market has just exploded. Well, it has exploded. Like I was looking at some of the figures and apparently Australian sales of memoirs have more than doubled over the past 20 years, which is interesting. I don't know what that says about, you know, our reading habits, culture as well. I mean, it's not just reading, the Beckham documentary as well. Like that's that's a form of this too. And a lot of people are getting behind that, are fascinated by hearing the stories behind the headlines that we saw for so many years. Producer Hannah actually had a good point earlier today and was like, maybe people get around memoirs because you don't have to think too much about, you know, with a book, a fiction book, you've got to create the characters in your head a bit, imagine what they look like, the backstory. But with a memoir, you kind of already know who the main players are. It's not as much energy. That was an interesting point. We've got people on the text line, you know, really defending Matthew Perry's autobiography. Someone says it was incredible and it was so open and honest. I think that's really rare and valuable in these kinds of books. Someone else says, I'm glad my mum died, was incredible, really honest, and I assume written by her. Um, Yeah, Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. A lot of people with musicians and their stories, they tend to be really open um, about the stuff they've been through. What do you think, Billy, about whether they actually write them. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think you can usually tell by the timeline. A lot of cricketers retire and then four days later the book <laughs> appears. And it's like, wow, Stuart Broad, I, I thought he was maybe illiterate, but it turns out he's a novelist. Oh. So here we go. So I think it's way better when they write them. Okay. And you definitely feel like that person was just defending that Matthew Perry book. I personally loved it as well, but I thought he's a bit of a kook. And you could really feel his narcissism through the book. So you, you want that. I want them to write it. I want their perspective, their words. When they sort of farm it out, you can tell 100%. Okay. Interesting. Because sometimes I like to read like the biography, but not written by them, not the autobiography. I like someone else to piece it together and hopefully be a bit more objective about what happened. But I, I don't know, everyone, someone's on the text line, Dave Memoir Casey. You don't want to read that one. Trust me, <laughs> that'd be the most boring book ever written. Um, I'm wondering as well, should there be an age on when you're allowed to write these memoirs? Because if you think about someone like Miley Cyrus, like wrote memoir at 16. That's crazy. Justin Bieber, the same. What do you reckon, Marley? Yeah, that's very much just to add it to their line of merchandise, isn't it, at that age? But I don't know because there is a lot of discussion around, yeah, that right age for memoirs and the like. But, you you know, I spoke about I'm Glad My Mum Died um, and she's, you know, I think still in her late 20s or early 30s maybe, Jeanette McCurdy, and it's very profound. I think if you've lived a, quite a rich life and you've had a space to be able to sort of reflect on what you've been through, um, you know, there's also a lot of talk of you can tell when the person who's writing it has actually like been to th- therapy and gone and worked through the traumas that they're reflecting on so they get a bit more perspective and don't look so narcissistic as we're talking about Matthew Perry did, did in that book. Um, it is, yeah, it's such an interesting format and I have a great love for it because of all the stuff that we're sort of talking about. I don't think you need to be a particular age, but maybe you need to be a bit more self-aware if you're going to do it right. Okay. Would you ever write one? Oh, 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know if anyone would read it. I always and think about it whenever, like, someone does something to really piss me off. I'm like, well, that's going in the memoir, isn't it? <laughs> like, revenge writing. Then I remember that no one's reading it. What about you, Billy? Would you write a memoir? Absolutely. <laughs> For some reason, I fiercely believe I'm an underdog, even though I've had a very charmed life. And I, I can't wait to see what that looks like on the page. Oh, charmed life, you say. Interesting, interesting segue into the next topic. <laughs> Well, baby Gwyneth Paltrow has hit us with a good old rile, everybody. She's come to the defense of all Nepo babies on Triple J. Nepo babies, yes or no? <laughs> Simple question, right? They're everywhere. <laughs> we may even have some around us right now. Who knows? There's a lot of negativity when you talk about a Nepo baby. We're talking about a person who follows in their famous parents' footsteps. Gwyneth Paltrow is over it. She's come out saying children of famous people shouldn't be judged negatively, that there's nothing wrong with doing or wanting to do what your parents do. And Gwyneth, of course, is the child of a famous actor and a famous director. She's got two kids with Coldplay frontman Chris Martin. Do you agree? Do you think we need to give Nepo babies a break? Are you a Nepo baby in a small way? I'm actually interested in the local Nepo babies. How small of a Nepo baby are you? Actually, also the big ones. If you are Gwyneth Paltrow and you want to ring in, sure. one 300 You can message in too. 0439757555. Let's ask the Shake Up crew. We've got presenter, podcaster, Marley Silva, comedian, Billy Darcy. Marley, do you know any Nepo babies? Look... I may be here <laughs> as a representative <laughs> of no, Nepo Babies. Come on. Now, let me explain myself, all right? As you have described in introducing me <laughs> this afternoon, Dave, you yeah. speak about the fact that I am a sports presenter. Mm. I Good have <laughs> worked in and around sort of media for a fair few years, mm -hmm. but ended up in sport about 18 months ago. And specifically in rugby league, the greatest game of all, some call it. <laughs> that may or may not have something to do with the fact that my dad was a professional rugby league player for 14 years of his career. Hi. And it just meant that when I walked into to particular rooms and introduced myself, <laughs> that there's familiarity there. And that comp there is privilege there. And I'm not going to say that I was handed my now role working in rugby league uh, in particular, but... Also, as a somewhat <laughs> small-scale representative of Nepo Babies, I will say, Gwyneth, just keep your mouth shut. Oh, okay, so you don't agree. You're like, Gwyneth, we're over the headlines with you. That's enough. Um, that, yes. Well, thank you for being so honest about that, Marley. Takes a big person <laughs> to really open up like that on the shake-up. That's what we want to see on a Friday afternoon. I'm Billy. preparing to discuss it in my <laughs> memoir. <laughs> it's a good link into the memoir, actually. It could be on the title. <laughs> Billy, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, as a non-Nepo baby who does have to work in a car park two days a week to make ends meet, coincidentally, <laughs> I wouldn't look too far into that. But I don't think Marley's saying she's a billionaire, by the way. No, absolutely not. I don't know. A reverse camera in your car? Check yourself. Check yourself, Marley. No, she hasn't got it yet. She hasn't got it yet. I want it. <laughs> but, yeah, I think um, Nepo babies are totally a thing, but... I mean, who cares? I'm kind of with Marley. Like, Maya Hawke is a massive Nepo baby, but she's also probably one of the most talented people on the planet. So, 
I think Nepo babies, it becomes annoying when we're hearing from people just because of who their parents are. Yeah. Like when Tom Hanks' son is rapping, it's like, what is even happening right now? This guy should be working in admin, but it's just because <laughs> his dad was in a film 25 years ago. No one's doing it. You, want, you know what would happen to me if I rapped publicly? Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> I God. Actually. Yeah. Oh, my God, Dave. Do you reckon we've got a problem with nepotism in Australia? Or do you think we're pretty chill across the board and it doesn't play too much of a part? Like, people don't care really who I mean, in Australia, we, we have a problem with success in general. Okay. No yeah. matter how you got it. Mm. So I reckon whatever you're up to, just keep it to yourself. That's kind of the vibe here. Interesting. On the text line, people are coming out in support of Nepo babies, other people not in support of Nepo babies. I don't know. Do you think um, Marley Gwyneth had a good point, even though <laughs> you'd already said stop talking, Gwyneth? But <laughs> do you reckon she had a good point when she said, you know, if someone wanted to follow in the footsteps of their mum or dad and go into teaching or become a doctor, we think differently about that. Yeah, but the career that she's in, the you know, the, the ones who are in kind of more... Uh, careers that don't have that linear pathway to kind of walk down right. and it, you do need that networking or whatever, it, it absolutely gives you a leg up in a way that, um, you know, if you're, you want to be a doctor like your dad, you still have to pass medical school. Yeah. Um, it, that's where it is a little bit different. And, and to Billy's point, it gets annoying. Nepo babies get annoying when they complain. Yeah. Like, don't complain about it. Don't You don't have to get defensive. At the end of the day, you've still got your $40 million mansion <laughs> and, you know, Oscars and things in your um, cupboard. So there's nothing to complain about here. I don't know why you need to go out and, and put your name out there again. It's interesting. Someone on the text line has said, I feel like a lot of Nepo babies would likely be more reclusive than their parents uh, due to seeing and living with the negatives of being famous. That is a good point, actually. And maybe, and we know, like, well, people have talked about this, how it's often really difficult if you're living in the shadow of really big identities, famous parents. Hey, that is all we've got time for on the Shake Up for this week. I need to send a huge thanks to our brilliant crew. We've got nine sports journalists, Marley Silver. Marley, thank you. Thank you so much, Dave, and nice to meet you, Billy. Oh, this is cute, and Billy, comedian Billy Darcy, thank you. Oh, thank you, and Marley, what an absolute privilege. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all we've got time for on The Shake Up and for Hack for this week. Have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday. See ya. Hack on Triple Jack. Dee Salmon here, sliding into your podcast feed to let you know that the Hookup Podcast has all the sex and relationship content you need. Honestly, you need us in your life. Join us each week as we talk all things love and f***ing like this. Foreplay is also there so that you have great sex. Like I don't know about anyone who's given themselves an orgasm in two minutes. Like it's fine. It's the fast food of orgasms. That's the hookup. If you like hack, you'll love us. Get us wherever you get your pods.